It's Monday, March 31st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Fool.com, Taylor Markman, and from Motley Fool 1, Jason Moser. Happy Monday, gents. Hello, Hello. Just one note on weather. Thankfully, it's sunny outside. Yesterday, it was snowing. Hey, you know, I want to just March out 30th, of control. Snowing the other for day 30 we minutes. Were talking about that, and I, I said, like, I fully expected it to snow again. Now, I was saying that basically because I didn't want to jinx it. Yeah, clearly like jinxed it, with, it all, uh, all year long. And I, you know, I mean, every once in a while, you get to sort of change course, and thankfully, the snow didn't stick. Yeah, um, you had asked me right before we started taping. I just taped an interview. With Biz Stone, the co-founder of Twitter, yeah, uh, it's going to be on this week's Motley Fool Money Radio Show. Really fun conversation. Uh, he has a new book out, um, so check check that out this weekend. But um, yeah, yeah, I would I really would say, interesting guy. I, I would, if you've anybody out there who has not read Hatching Twitter yet, I mean it, that's sort of the that's the book that tells you about how all of it started. I mean just from the very from the beginning of the idea. Yeah. Just a a really interesting story behind that company that I bet you most people don't really know. Uh, because it wasn't just a simple, very cut-and-dry idea that people developed. I mean, there were a lot yeah. of interests in there and a lot of kind of people coming and going. But, we, uh, we talked a lot about Twitter, uh, a good amount about his newest venture. Uh, one of the things we talked about with Twitter was um, Biz Stone and uh, his uh, co-founder, Evan Williams. Wait, Evan Williams? Is that his name? Evan Williams. Uh, Ev. Ev. Is it Williams? I'm That's the bourbon. Sure it's, anyway. I know I, I know drank it's Evan. some Evan Williams. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Biz and Evan <laughs> go over to Facebook to have a face-to-face meeting with Mark Zuckerberg, and uh, just v- v- very interesting what went down there. Anyway, let's let's get to the topics at hand here. Uh, we've got Google. It's opening day. Yes. Thank and God. Because this is an audio podcast, not a video podcast, you can't see the other side of the glass. Our man Dan Boyd decked out in his Washington Nationals jersey. Uh, not the only person wearing a baseball jersey around these parts today. Well, so I heard this morning, what is the guy's name? Mitch Williams, the old guy of the Phillies, wild thing? Uh, he he was calling, I think he does more for MLB Network, but he was calling uh, early season prediction. Nats take the series, and uh, Bryce Harper is the MVP of the whole schmeal. So, Sports Illustrated also know. picking the Nats. I have my doubts, but. <laughs> Smile today, man. Smile today. Uh, let's start with the breakfast wars, which are really heating up. Starting today, McDonald's is offering free coffee for the next two weeks at all U.S. locations. This is in response to Taco Bell's move into the breakfast market last week, the largest menu ex- uh, menu expansion ever. I'm getting more and more interested in this story because <laughs> what initially, for me anyway, started as the waffle taco and just sort of the... The awesomeness and, and in some case, the hideousness that is the waffle taco, <laughs> which is a waffle with eggs and sausage and syrup. Anyway, um, on a this, how do I put it, Taylor? This is something that got a lot of attention, like almost just sort of as an oddity. Yeah, there's a lot of buzz even before it was but released. But this is a really serious business move by Taco Bell. It's as I said, biggest expansion of their menu ever, and. I think when you look at McDonald's response to offer free coffee, they've never done this kind of promotion mm-hmm. before when it comes to breakfast. This is getting really serious here. Yeah, it is. I, McDonald's, the clear leader in uh, fast food breakfast, the market about 30% of that market share, but clearly worried if they're going to offer coffee for free for two weeks. Uh, Starbucks did a move like this. I don't know if it was a preemptive strike against Taco Bell's breakfast, but a couple weeks ago, they were giving away a free coffee with a breakfast sandwich, too. Um, so both of these companies trying to draw 
more customers in early in the morning. McDonald's building out that McCafe lineup, uh, not just normal coffee, but also the sugary mixed drinks like Starbucks offers. Um, and I see those two companies moving in different directions. Starbucks trying to offer more breakfast food. Now Starbucks trying to offer more breakfast drinks. Clearly, it's a strong market that both of these companies want a piece of. And Taco Bell completely uh, moving away from its traditional fourth meal, going for the first meal. <laughs> uh, and Jason, just to put some numbers around this, when you look at fast food breakfast, this is about a $50 billion industry. So mm-hmm. it makes perfect sense that Taco Bell would go into it. Also, this is the one area of the fast food industry that is growing. Lunch and dinner are not really growing, breakfast growing 5 6% over the last year or so. Yeah, well, I mean, everybody loves a deal, right? And so when someone's giving away something, people tend to flock to it. Um, but, I, I mean, I, I think there's, there's, you know, we're all, it seems like we're all a little bit busier and probably lunch and dinner. I mean, there, there probably isn't the growth there uh, that breakfast may offer because people are finding uh, that extra five minutes or something out of their day on the way to work or whatever to stop and grab something. So you see everyone from McDonald's and Taco Bell to uh, even Starbucks really trying to sort of double down on, on that market. And, um, you know, it's interesting to see this all play out because, I mean, I think on the one hand you have something like the McDonald's versus uh, Yum Brands Taco Bell thing. And, you know, McDonald's is about three times the size. So they can afford to, to make these little bets like giving some coffee away. A lot of people are going to go there and take advantage of it. Uh, and it's going to kind of be a, an ebb and flow, I imagine, between those two concepts. I don't, I don't know that, uh, you know, they're going to be taking away – much of the the market that might be dishing off to a Starbucks or something like that for breakfast. But the interesting thing is, I think that because you have something like Starbucks making more uh, inroads to this breakfast market as well, I think that actually stands to take some people away from McDonald's or Yum, because if it's affordable enough and it's easy enough and fast enough, well, that's sort of a little bit of a trade up there that I think the perception, you know, with customers out there, it could be pretty powerful when you're you're uh, getting something. I think I think it's safe to say. I mean, at least from everything I've had with McDonald's and Starbucks breakfasts, I choose Starbucks <laughs> ten times out of ten. Uh, but but I mean, I also readily acknowledge that many people prefer the McDonald's or, or Taco Bell breakfast anyways, but um, whether it's, you know, Starbucks pulls all sorts of levers like the treat receipt and, and stuff like that to stoke traffic. So McDonald's, you know, offering free coffee, that's going to be something that stokes traffic, certainly keeps people coming back for more. But but the, at the end of the day, you're right. I mean, this breakfast market is a huge, huge opportunity for a lot of these companies who are already established anyway. I mean, those, those operating expenses are, are going to be paid regardless. And so if this can sort of bump up that uh, incremental revenue uh, over the course of a year, then they're all going to chase after And it. Taylor, some of these items are have some pretty decent profit margins. Coffee, yeah, oatmeal, they, these are really profitable items. Last week, were you part of the taste test? Our, our colleague Rex Moore <laughs> did a great video on Fool.com that took place over in your part of the office. Yes. I don't remember if you were in the video. <laughs> I wasn't in the video. I witnessed the taste test. Okay, though. so this was Rex and Eric Bleeker, our mm-hmm. managing editor, went out to a McDonald's and a Taco Bell, came back to the office with all kinds of offerings from both to do a side-by-side taste test. Mark Reith was in the video, Blake Boss. It seemed like the Taco Bell food got pretty good reviews. Yeah, I, I, it was cleaned up. Nobody left any any scraps uh, <laughs> other than the wrappers. Um, we had some hot sauce and obviously the syrup to go on those waffle tacos. And I was surprised to see that a lot of the folks that were eating it uh, enjoyed 
everything. They had the tacos. They had, the, I guess, the breakfast crunch wrap and those little churro balls or whatever. I'm not too sure what they call those, but everything was devoured, and uh, I, was, I was impressed. Does Chipotle get involved in this? And if they do, we know it's not coming anytime soon, but it does seem like if they could do in breakfast what they've done at lunch and dinner. Do like an omelet bar. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm like, I'm not surprised that people liked the Taco Bell food because, I mean, whether it's Taco Bell or McDonald's, I mean, it's not rocket science. I mean, they're getting just sort of the, the mass, you know, quantities of eggs and bacon and your little taco shell or your waffle thing or whatever. It's kind of hard to screw that up, you know? Mm-hmm. But I mean, when you look at something like Chipotle, we know has tried the breakfast thing before just by virtue of, of having to keep the, the restaurant at the Dulles Airport open, for example, because they had required hours there. So they figured, hey, why not try it here because it's not costing us anything extra. Uh, they tried it. They're not doing it anymore. The feedback that they got was that it was really good. Uh, I, I, I'm I'd be shocked to ever see really, you know, Chipotle put something on the menu that wasn't good. I mean, if, if customers don't like it, they're not going to buy it. Uh, you know, there, there's something to be said for uh, better ingredients, making better food. I mean, it's not not to say that you're going to be that much healthier eating at Chipotle. Let's not, let's not misunderstand me. But it, better ingredients can make a better tasting product, obviously. And um, But you're going to pay more for that, too. Uh, I don't know that we see Chipotle tackle this anytime soon. It seems like they have their uh, plates full, so to speak, with the... Chipotle concept with the shop house concept, and we know that Pizzeria Locale is going to start taking off at least to some extent. Uh, breakfast probably right now is just going to be something kept on the back burner, I imagine. One thing I do have to say about the Taco Bell is that commercial with Ronald McDonald's was pretty clever. That's a brilliant ad. It was pretty clever. <laughs> it really is. If you haven't seen it, you can find it on YouTube, but they just went out and found 20 or 30 guys yeah. across the country who just happened to be named Ronald McDonald. And it re- I think they really got under McDonald's skin with this. Yeah, I agree. It wasn't I mean, the most hilarious commercial, but the idea behind it was super creative. It's just kind of like, I mean, when you're a parent, I mean, you name your kid that, you know what you're doing. <laughs> well, that, right? yeah, that's the, like, there's the one guy, I think, in Iowa, and it's in his living room, and it's him. He said, I'm Ronald McDonald Jr., and this is my son, Ronald <laughs> McDonald III. Yeah, and I was just like, wow. You really went that down there the is line. a certain level of premeditation involved. With it. It's like Mr. and Mrs. Lincoln, you know, next year they have a baby and decide to name him Abraham of all. I mean, come on, seriously? I mean, that's it's 2015 by then. It's it's a little bit out of context, right? <laughs> well, that's the thing I, I learned recently about uh, Albert Brooks, the great actor, oh, writer, man, comedian. Great, yeah. um, his he's really. Uh, his last name is really Einstein. He's the younger brother of, <laughs> no Bob, of Bob Einstein, who's Super that. Dave, and also on Curb Your, Enthousi- uh, Curb Your so Enthusiasm. <laughs> but it's like, wow, you went out and you na- your last name is Einstein, and you went out and saddled your son with the name Albert. Fortunately, Albert Brooks is a brilliant guy. So he did, it, it what was up. it, Seeking Comedy in the Muslim World or something like yeah. that? It was just a really funny, well-done movie. I like yeah. that. Uh, the TV networks... Just in case you were worried about them, they still get the lion's share of the ad dollars out there. But when it comes to YouTube, Google has decided that they want uh, some of that. And they are now taking a page out of the TV network's playbook. YouTube is going to start, has started offering audience guarantees to marketers. They are offering ad packages for specific YouTube channels and shows. Jason, what do you think of this? Because... When I read this story this morning, it struck me as a smart move, and yet I was still a little bit surprised that Google – I don't want to say they're throwing up their hands or giving up, but this is a – let's not kid ourselves. This is a move that is 
that basically says, look, we've tried stressing to marketers how many users we have and the engagement that you get from people clicking the like button or putting a comment in the comment section. And you know what? At the end of the day, it's not working, and we really need to do what the TV networks are doing. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Google's making the bet here uh, that TV audiences are flocking more and more to online venues. I mean, I, I think this is a smart bet. I think it's a good move by Google uh, because the bottom line is that that is where people are going. And it's not even to say that TV is no more and people are just watching videos online. I mean, I, I think you, you need to look at it just from the second screen pers- perspective. And I mean, you, you look at that, you think there, there are 84% of smartphone tablet owners who use their devices as second screens while watching TV. I mean, it's a very powerful concept. So even if you're watching something on the screen there, there's you know a great chance that someone's checking out a Facebook video or a YouTube video or a Twitter video. And, and so I think that what they're really trying to do is it, it's kind of hard initially, I think, to convince sort of that old school TV uh, mentality that this is really, you know, the wave of the future. And so I think Google is using its its financial wherewithal to be able to kind of help make that decision for them. And so in the short run, yeah, maybe they take a little bit of a pinch on the guarantee. But really, I think this is an excellent long term bet on, on a trend that, that's not going anywhere, I don't think. I'd have to agree. The market is just so much bigger in TV advertising. So when I first read about it, I thought, yeah, maybe Google's giving something up here. But the disparity between online advertising and TV advertising is just so wide that um, they're just ready to go out there and start grabbing uh, market share. And I will go back to Jason's point. A lot of times I find myself Googling things I see on television. And so then it's, it's like a partnership right there. And Google is that natural search engine that most people are going to. So I can't argue with this decision. It might might hamper uh, a little bit of their budgeting up front, but I think it's a very, very big win long term. Yeah, the data is clear. I mean, it's why there's the Nielsen social product offering, the Nielsen Twitter TV ratings. It's it's all right there in front of you. I mean, the data doesn't lie. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're just there – a, there is a very well-established TV audience that doesn't necessarily exist – you know, on television. I mean, they're using that second screen, and whether they're, you know, voicing their their opinions and keeping up with TV programs through Twitter or Facebook or whatever, I mean, that's just where, you know, not only is there a tremendous opportunity to advertise, that's where a lot of the eyeballs are, but because of all of the information that people input into these uh, networks, whether it's user information from Google or from Facebook or Twitter, they're much better at at targeting Mm -hmm. uh, with these advertisements today, and it'll be even better five years from now. And so, again, I mean, this is really to kind of just make it a little bit of an easier decision for all those chief marketing officers out there who aren't quite sold yet. I think in five years, they'll be very glad that, that this this was, uh, you know, they, they, they went along with this. Today is the last day of the first quarter of 2014. But as we indicated at the top, it's also opening day for Major League Baseball. It's the final day of our uh, <laughs> fiscal year here. At the it is Florida, the final. Man. Yes, it is the final day of wow. our fiscal year. Um some interesting numbers I found this morning on Forbes' website about different major league franchises uh, and sports and how the values have increased over time. Because I think if you look at the success that the NFL has had over the last two decades and the challenges that hockey, that the NHL has had over the last couple of decades – I would have just made the assumption that, well, the the growth for the NFL has been far beyond what the NHL has experienced. But let me hit you with these numbers, because over the last 20 years, the growth has been 
pretty much lockstep for the four major leagues when you look at team values and how they've increased. Uh, on average, uh, for the NFL over the last 20 years, team values have increased 10.5% per year. For the NBA, it's 8.8%. For the NHL, 9.1%. And Major League Baseball, 9.8%. So basically, you have a swing of about a percent and a half, less than 2% among the leagues. I was a little surprised by that. I am curious, though. I know who you You're a Red Sox fan, Jason. Yes, I am. You are. As a Carolina guy, where are your allegiances these days? Born and raised a St. Louis Cardinals fan. Ah. Since the very first day I emerged out of the womb, I was in a Cardinals <laughs> uniform. <laughs> Thanks for that image. Yeah, yeah, no uh, problem. And hey, uh, I mentioned Dan Boyd is, is wearing the Nationals jersey. Matt Trogdon is walking around in a Cardinals jersey. Yeah, there's a few Cardinals fans Yeah, we had a lot here. of Cardinals-Red Sox smack talk yeah. last we did, year, did we? We did. They, uh, we did. Rex Moore, Cardinals guy. Cardinals guy. Uh, i got to give a shout-out to a former fool on the West Coast now, a guy by the name of Bob Babala, who was the editor-in-chief at Fool.com for many years. Bob went the full Monty on opening day, and by that <laughs> I mean he would show up to work in a full Red Sox uniform. <laughs> nice. From the cap to the cleats, He'd walk around with his bat. Um, Step it up, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Um, From a business standpoint, if you could own a major league team in any of the four sports, and I'm I'm not giving you your choice of team because the Yankees are the team that's worth the most money in all the four major professional sports in the United States, $2.5 billion. The only other $2 billion franchise is the Dallas Cowboys. But I'm just saying, keeping in mind that Last 20 years, the growth has been about the same. Which sport are you picking out of? Baseball, hockey, basketball, football? What are you going with? If it's all about the money, it's tough to say, but I'm going to have to pick baseball just being a fan of, of the league, and I didn't know it kept pace with the other four sports as it's well. It's pretty surprising, yeah, right? But, uh, I mean, America's pastime. I enjoy watching it. The season's a lot longer, and um, being a fan of the Cardinals, it's a perennial favorite, so it's easy to watch. Jason, what were you Yeah, pick? I think I'd have to agree. I'd go with baseball. I mean, the thing is, because the season is so long, because so many people around the country identify it regardless of where they live, the thing that's – I mean, I'm, I'm really, in all honesty, a bit the bigger football fan than anything else, but but football scares me from from the business perspective because there are so many uh, – I mean, there, there, there are lawsuits out there regarding health issues, you know, the concussion settlements that have been thrown. I mean, I feel like football's facing a lot of hurdles here going into the next decade and beyond – uh, that they're going to have to deal with. But, uh, you know, one thing I was looking at, which I thought was really kind of, uh, I don't know whether noteworthy or interesting, have you seen this relationship between, no pun intended, between Major League Baseball and Match.com? No. So, like, Match.com, the, the online dating website. So they've, they've come to this sort of uh, agreement, this this, coopera, this this sort of cooperation here where they're going to uh, Match.com is going to launch 29 fan pages for all of the MLB baseball teams. And essentially, they are just trying to to isolate. You know, they're trying to take one of the steps out of that sort of filtering process, I guess, by saying, well, hey, here, here are a bunch of Minnesota Twins fans. Here are a bunch of Boston Red Sox fans. You guys have one thing in common right there. So discuss, you know. And so, so I mean, I just thought it was kind of interesting to see that they're, they're trying to, you know, tug at the heartstrings of the sports fans by, you know, by, uh, by pairing up fans of like teams w- with each other. So now I, you don't even have to go to the sports bar that sponsors right, exactly. your team. You can just sign up for Match.com. Exactly. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I could see that being a little bit of a deal breaker for Dan Boyd. 
swing and single Dan Boyd. It's distinctly possible. <laughs> who's you, you know, know eligible that. bachelor, but if he if he meets a, a young woman and finds out right out of the gate that you know she's a Mets fan, I could. I mean, not happening. That's you know maybe, and it could maybe. get really brutal if he goes in there and finds out that she's a Dallas Cowboys fan. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, if this thing spreads to other leagues and it's football. Yeah. I mean, that's just it's that's that's a very personal side, you know. I, like you guys, I, I'm a football fan. I'm a basketball fan. I think owning a baseball team would be so much fun, and I base that in part on minor league baseball. Yeah, and the promotions that they have, and it, and as you said, Taylor, it's such a long season. You could just have so much fun with all these different promotions. By the way, is there a better value in live sports than minor league baseball? No. If you, I, promotions every day. Well, like, promotions yeah. and just, you know, you get a ticket to a Kick single back. A or a double A baseball game for under 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. It's just a blast. That reminds me, uh, we were talking about books, but John Feinstein's new book, Where Nobody Knows Your Name, is that it's like life through the, the minor leagues. I mean, he's just a great writer. I bet you that'd be a terrific book. It also sounds like it'd be a little depressing, though. It could be. <laughs> it, could, it could make you kind of, yeah, at the, end of, at the end of the book, you're like, you know, I'm kind of glad I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah, I kind of like this for a living. On a more positive <laughs> note, Bull Durham, phenomenal. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. phenomenal baseball movie yep. uh, about life in the minor leagues. All right, Jason Moser, Taylor Markman, guys, thanks for being here. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Fool. The show is mixed by Nats fan Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.